header. Here is Mandrew. Sakon in position. Oh, what a goal! What a goal from Danny Mandrew! The shot comes in! Oh, what a screamer! This is the real heart of soccer, quite frankly. Oh my God, what a finish. Well, Jordan Flores met that on the meet. Hello there, you're very welcome once again to LOI Arena podcast brought to you by Pundit Arena. It's myself, Colin Murphy and Conan Byrne with you uh, once again. Uh, Conan, we have a lot to review between the European Games the Premier Games, the First Division, the women's and what have you. Um, and we also have a great guest this week, very interesting guy, Christopher Harrington, Chris Harrington, a brother of our latest Olympic gold medalist, Kelly, who is currently coaching uh, with the Fram women's team in Iceland, has some very interesting thoughts on football in Iceland, football here, comparing the two and so on. I think you'll enjoy that interview with uh, Chris later on. Um, but before we talk about the domestic stuff, Co, what about Europe? Uh, two out, one in. Um, I was slightly worried when we spoke last week that all three might go out, but in, in the end, um, Shamrock Rovers were very comfortable, actually. Yeah, and uh, yourself and Graham did great uh, work on that, the stream for it, so yeah. fair play to you. Um, no, I, I actually put out a poll last week um, on my Twitter about asking the League of Ireland audience what they expected from our teams in Europe, considering the, I suppose, the challenges that, that we're up against all three. And um, they were right. They said one out of three would get through. 44% of the of the League of Ireland audience said that. So, um, and if you put my hands behind my back, I probably would have said the same thing. Um, yeah. And look, it's easy to say that now in hindsight. I did think that Bowles had a, had the most difficult task out of the out of the three teams coming up against Pauk, but um, and especially after going a goal down so early in the game, I was um, in game on. I was in RT Studios um, watching the game with Marie Crow, and um, I, re- I, th- I I I thought it was going to be a, a cricket score after the first couple of minutes, um, but after about twenty minutes, they they came back into it and they were really really good and. I just felt so sorry for for Keith Ward at the end, Con. Oh, what a chance! What a chance! Look, Although, actually, and you'd be more of an expert on this than I would be, but I, I, some people were describing it as a complete open goal. But when I watched it, I can kind of see that it wasn't quite as simple a tap in as some people were describing it on Twitter. No, it's a very very difficult um, chance, especially in an in injury time. A lot of like, and people might think, oh, you don't get to think about those about anything when the ball comes across the box at you. But in those split seconds, can they do? Um, and yeah, just hit his heel, and that, that's all it was. It was literally just a couple of inches away from putting the ball in the back of the net. And a lot of people were saying that he should have hit it with his left foot. I completely disagree. Um, as a wide player coming in, and the angle that it's coming in at. I'd always hit it with my right. I'd open up my body and put it in with my right. But I can understand why people might put it in with their left because it's closer to them. Um, but when it's your bad foot as well, you're 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 looking to put it in with your good foot. And it was just, I just I just felt so sorry. And I, mean, I know Keith well, and um, he would have taken that really really hard on himself. Um, so it was great to see the the, the Bohemians faithful today. Um, giving him a big cheer at the, the, the at the start at the start of the game when he was warming up. So I mean, it shows you how fine the margins are, though, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, a lot of people like, went. Literally. A lot of people brought it back to the Adam Hughes incident for, with Drogheda and Dynamo Kiev. All that it was two thousand and seven, I think, and 
um, how close Trotta were at the time mm-hmm. to knocking, those, knocking that team out. And that would have been a similar story if, if Keyboard had to put it in. Obviously, extra time would have followed and yeah. you never know what might happen. Um, but in that first half, they were completely dominated. I, I was very impressed with Pauk's press, especially in the midfield. They were pressing um, Dawson, Devoy and Keith Buckley really, really well. They did their homework, didn't they? They yeah. did. They did. And um, Bissessoir was... was he came on in the first leg it would have been 30 minutes to go and changed the game he was brilliant and then in the second in yeah. the second leg obviously he was he was very very good as well Bowes got away with one as well the, the um El Cadurdi shot that that hit the underside of the bar I think everyone will admit that that crossed the line and um, but Kieran Kelly was their biggest loss in the night both goals I think he would have been in those areas to probably possibly prevent them hindsight is a great thing but um he might have been in those in, in that area because the second one was was awful defending two two terrible goals to concede um, like you, you wouldn't mind if it was brilliant play by the opposition but it, it, they were straightforward goals um, the first one obviously from a from a set piece at the second phase and um, the second one like just the, the defending was was really really poor and um, but that look great performance by um, by themselves and Dundalk as well comment like Dundalk are awfully on so unlucky not that they didn't nab something at the end there they absolutely dominated the last 20 minutes michael duffy was the old michael duffy that we know yes yeah that we haven't seen enough of um he was absolutely superb in that last 20 25 for the whole game but for the last 25 yeah. minutes more so than anything um and i really thought it was the one time that i thought look we're gonna get i'm saying we're we're gonna get something out of this we're gonna we're gonna score um but it wasn't to be, and um, yeah, and even today's result is really tough for Dundalk even to to get Europe next season. Yeah, the post-European hangover for Dundalk today, that's for sure. Um, although Rovers and Bowes both won, so yeah, you can't um, really use it as an excuse. No, know? you can't. And look, we, we I skipped over Rovers there. I didn't even talk about them. They, they, and they're the team that went through. They were um, very professional. Uh, that, that's just the word that I would use. Um, and I've talked about Rory Gaffney on this before, and I mentioned the word rawness when I did talk about him. Look, you can't describe, you couldn't use that word to describe his two goals. Um, absolute quality. The first one especially, just the calmness, just to, to, to slip the ball over the keeper. Like he, he, it's, I don't know, it's, it's something that I haven't seen in him um, maybe in years gone by. But um, I've been very, very impressed since he's come in. Obviously, he was injured when he did come in. But since he's got a good run of games, I think that's all he needed. And I think in, when you come into this league, you, you need that. You need that confidence um, to get a good run of games in, a couple of goals, and off you go. And He's a different player this season compared to... I mean, obviously, the injury, really, he, he got hardly any game time last season. But the confidence, I, I mean, you well know how important confidence is to a striker. And he's bristling with confidence at the moment, the way he took those uh, two goals. Uh, Scales' involvement in that second goal was phenomenal as well. You know, it was, uh, I, I, I think, you know, to go away from home, albeit against a pretty average Albanian side, um, it was still a very professional performance. Another clean sheet as well, which is, you know, it puts them in a good position now, although I think they have a tough one coming up. I think Flora are probably better now than they would have been in years gone by. Yeah, but it's still a wonderful opportunity. Con, um, I I fully expect them to go through, if I'm being totally honest. I think that's where we are, we're at now. I think that we have to expect them to go through. Um, and I think Richie Tell, Con, has, has made a huge difference mm. since he's come in. He's only been, I think it's nine wins out of ten. 
um, that he's since he's come in. He's obviously the Slovan Bratislava game was his first or second game that he he uh, the, the team were defeated. But since then, he's won nine nine out of ten. It's been yeah. very very impressive. So that, that's no uh, no fluke. And obviously, I mentioned Dylan Watts as well coming back in. So having those type of players in your squad and in your team, and I know you're going to mention Joey O'Brien as well. But the clean sheets are starting to to mount up a little bit more now, Con, and that's very, very important, especially when you're going for a title as well. Um, so, yeah, very, very impressed with Sean Rovers over the last week. And you know who's come back into form recently as well? Lee Grace, and I don't know whether that's because Joey is there at the back, um, but that trio of uh, Joey O'Brien, um, Lopez and Grace is, I mean, just rock solid at the moment. It's really, really good. They're all playing well. And, and Alan Manis has uh, done nothing wrong. He's made a couple of very good saves recently as well. So, yeah, I, I, I'd be hopeful. You know, when you get to a, a round like this and you're, you're drawn against Flora Talon, it's probably about as good as you could hope to be up against um, at that phase of the tournament, you know. Yeah, so Absolutely. Yeah. And this is the playoff round and you're playing against Flora Talon. You, you've got to expect to be, to be going through here. You have to grasp this opportunity mm. with both hands. And even the, the team they played the other night, Con, you're, you're, they're leaving out Sean Gannon, you're leaving out Sean Or These are players that have played yeah. in group stages of the Europa League or like before. So it's just... Mm. Yeah, it's it's they they have to be yeah they are favourites I know but they have to be uh, going into that game full of confidence. Just before we leave Europe, going back to Dundalk for a second, I thought um, when they went two 0 down, it would have been very easy for them to fold up their tent and just you know basically pack it in. I thought the way they fought back into it, the penalty was very well taken, and they you know God they they came close. They did. They came. They came really, really close, and it was like it's not like a hard luck story. I don't want to call it like a, a hard luck. It, it kind is. of is, though. Yeah, but know. at the same time, con it's they gave themselves a mountain to climb, though. Yeah, the with the two goals that they conceded, and they, again, two goals that they they would be very, very disappointed in in um, in conceding. And Vitesse hadn't had a clean sheet since April, so I always knew that Dundalk were going to score. It was just a case of whether or not how many that they were going to get. And um, look, after the penalty, you would have expected them to, to to score, considering the dominance that they had. And unfortunately, just the ball didn't they didn't get the look of the look of the drop the the, the ball, and it didn't go in into the back of the net. And that's the disappointing thing. And they'd be kicking themselves that they conceded those sloppy goals in that first half. Um, but look, at the same time, it's a it's um, you, look. I put up a tweet saying I was very very proud, and I and I, I am I'm very proud of the teams and how they how they've got on in Europe. It's been really really impressive, and it's got a like it, it's probably brought the the League of Ireland to a few a bit, a bit more households possibly, and it's been more talked about, which is uh, not a bad thing as well. And um, yeah, hopefully Shamrock Rovers carry the flag um, next week. Yeah. Um, well, they're flying the flag in the league as well. That 1-0 win against Drogheda uh, earlier on today. Aaron Green, the only goal of the game. But um, Rovers were very dominant in that match. I mean, to go up to head in the game park and just boss the game the way they did, albeit there was only a goal in it in the end. They're looking very strong. Yeah, and I have to admit, that was the only game I didn't catch this this weekend. I watched the other two. I watched um, Sligo and Bohemians and... Um, Derry and Dundalk today so I miss I don't have that many devices that I could watch the other one mm. um, I knew you were watching the concert that's we divvied it up yeah that's, that's <laughs> called planning yeah. planning of the highest order but um, yeah and look I'm worried about drawing a con you know one win in ten now and they've lost their last five in the bounce obviously it's including the penalty shoot of defeat to Derry in the cup 
but they're slipping down the table very, very fast. They're down to six. Chris Lyons, well, you know, he's a loss. He's a huge loss. He's a huge loss. Mark Doyle wasn't playing today either. Um, yeah. and I think that might be a like a Jordan Adiemi played instead of him. Might have been due to look. Might might need a little kick up the backside, get your performance going, give you a little rest, see how you get on, see how you come on. But at the same time, they have a big loud derby next week against Dundalk, and that's going to really test things because you have to get up for those games. Derby games are, are different. They, they you have to be up for them, and um, they'll be up against it next week against Dundalk, who need to win. And I, I think uh, Tim Clancy will be suspended again for that one next week. So that's I think it was a three match touchline suspension. This was match two today, so he won't be around for that one either. Um, which I I don't know ultimately whether that makes a huge difference, but I'm sure you would imagine that it would help uh, if he was there uh, in the dugout. Um, and Dundalk are going to go into that game off the back of a defeat in Derry uh, as well. So suddenly, you know, Dundalk, as you mentioned, if they want to play in Europe again next season, they're going to have to get motoring. They're two points off the relegation playoff. Come. Yeah, I mean, that's, that puts it into perspective, doesn't it? Like they're further away from, way off Europe. Like they're two points off the relegation playoff, and that's I know they have a couple of games in hand over over they have a game in hand over Harps, and they have two games in hand over Warford. But at the same time, if they don't win those games, you know it's and and Finn Harps had a fantastic win in at Bishopsgate. Waterford have been very very good under Mark Burcham. Obviously, were defeated on, on Friday night, which we we'll, which, which we'll touch on recently. But there they have been up the fifth. You know, on three, four points level with Bowes. Again, a couple of games in hand over over the teams above them. But look, you want you want those points on the board before the, the games in hand. And um, in the last thirty-two meetings, Derry have only just have only won once against um, Dundalk, and that was against in the McGinn Park back in two thousand and seventeen when they won three nil, um, where Ryan McBride um, scored a goal and scored a goal in that game. Um, but Jamie McGonagall, Connie's come in um, two and two now for him. As I said, he's he's he was really impressive in in the Northern Irish League, um, and they needed somebody that can score goals. I, I, I keep repeating myself with this with with um, Akintunde. Um, he does so much off the ball um, for for his team, but he just doesn't score enough goals. So that's why worry. He, he needs him in the team, but he needs somebody else that can score. That's why he brought in Junior. That's why he brought in McGonagall, and it's paying off. Players are scoring now, and um, another clean sheet as well. It's like a, a moral, it's just a great victory for him in, in that sense. Um, and the players that he's brought in, as I said, have, have been really, really good. Even young Evan McLaughlin has been doing really, really well. Um, Bastian Heary coming off the bench, he obviously he needs to get up to, to full fitness where he's coming in. Um, and it's the first time they've won it, they've beaten um, beaten them at the Roy McBride Stadium in nine years. So it's a, it's a, it's a huge, now, look, it was a soft penalty. Very, very soft penalty. Jamie McGonagall had a strike hit off Andy Boyle's arm. Hit off Andy, I'm going to say hit off Andy Boyle's arm. Um, but Damien McGrath gave, gave the spot kick. Um, but I think what will hurt Dundalk the most is possibly the injuries that they suffered in, on the day. Patrick McElhinney went off after a poor, poor tackle. Yeah, it's going to be out for a month or something. Yeah. Um, and Daniel Lafferty is his teammate, soon to be teammate, should I say. Um, gave him that and Daniel clearly wasn't too happy with it he got booked out um, afterwards for, for his um, actions um, but Dan Kelly who, who has been struggling with injury over the last number of weeks um, he had to go off in the first half as well and then David McMillan was putting a protective boot with 20 minutes to go and uh, or 10 minutes to go I think it was and um, yeah it's going to be uh, like those three players are big players for Dundalk and if you're going to be missing those players it's going to be tough but with Pahuban back 
look, that kind of evens the, the, the no. softens the blow a little bit. But um, yeah, great win for Derry, but Dundalk just didn't suffer. Um, they suffered a bad result, but obviously with the injuries as well, proved more costly. Um, I don't know. Can you explain to me what's happening with Sligo Rovers? I mean, they go to Dalyman today. It's another. Is that six defeats in a row for Sligo now? Keith Buckley's goal, um, very well taken goal, actually, lovely goal. But um, what is it? No win since July third, um, before Europe. It was the day. It was that they last won a game before their first European game um, against FH. They beat Longford, I think, one nil, mm. um, and. They haven't scored in the league since that day. Like, I don't want to, like, it's very, very unrealistic to say that they had a chance of winning the league because with the striking options that they have, I don't think they're good enough, being totally honest. Mm. Um, Romeo Parks, I don't want to sound too critical of him, Con. Um, he just, but he does miss too many chances and he's caught offside too many times um, in games. It's it's lazy centre forward play. Um but look, what I would say is that they need to reset and they need to reset quickly. They're still four points clear of Bowes and they're four points clear yeah. of Derry. Um, their aim at the start of the season would have been Europe. Yeah. And they are in, if they had a toe, if you had a said to them, you're going to have Europe, you have two, you have, you're four points clear of fourth place. Um, they would bite the hand off you with that result at the start of this season. Let me tell you that. Mm. And the fact that they are as I said, four points clear. They'll be very, they need to reset, calm down, um, but they do need to have a look at their attacking threat. Because yeah, I wonder. Is, does it ask? Does it ask questions about the strength and depth in their squad as well? That, you know, one or two injuries, and suddenly they're you know flapping around a bit. Hundred percent, absolutely. Um, you're relying on a seventeen-year-old, seventeen-year-old yeah. to score, or eighteen you now to score your goals. Um, that's now like. I don't, you don't like to bring age into it, but at the same time, he's 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 been the player that has scored the goals for them this season, and um, obviously he 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 got COVID. Um, well, I don't know if I can say that, but um, mm. he, himself and a couple of others in the squad, and um, since then it hasn't worked out for them. Like since since July third, they haven't scored a league goal. That's that's abysmal. You'd have to ask if if one or two players getting sick has had a really detrimental effect on that that squad and it would it would suggest that it has you know yeah but at the same uh, time like defending their the defenders are doing their job like yeah like ed mcginty today in just after the goal actually georgie kelly had a wonderful chance to, to make it 2-0 and he pulled off a, a world-class save and um, john mahan was brilliant again today and um, gary buckley was very very good like both like sligo were comfortable con they, they, mm. they looked a likelier team to score up until the goal and yeah, was, I heard even the Bose commentators were saying that 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 um, at times Sligo, you know, had periods of dominance in the game. Yeah, and but once Bose scored, that was it. Sligo were never coming back into it. Bose were, were so comfortable, and look, it was a great strike um, by Keith Buckley. A little, I think he turned inside Noel Moran and brilliant left foot strike from the edge of the box. Great goal. Um, but yeah, like Sligo would be very very Liam in particular would be very very disappointed with, uh, with the, mm. the last number of weeks. Um, but they need to reset. They can't, like, I don't know. They can't go mad. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's just they need to relax. And four points clear of fourth place, they still have a wonderful chance of make, getting Europe. But on Bose Con, I just, I think we have to. Um, there's a, a friend of the podcast, John O'Connor, and 
um, who his, his mother was recently passed away. So we, uh, we pass on our condolences to John and his sister on, on, on her passing. Absolutely. And actually, Keith Buckley uh, dedicated that goal to her today. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm sure we, I only mentioned John on the pod last week about the uh, the piece he had written about um, financing in the league yeah. and stuff. And it was, it was a very interesting piece. So our, our, our thoughts with the, all the O'Connors um, and indeed the uh, McLones. There was a, a very sad uh, death for uh, in Shamrock Rovers, Jim McLone, who's been a fan of Rovers for since long before I was even going and uh, he sadly died last week so many generations of the family go to the the matches now so our thoughts with the uh, Midlone family as well Um, on a happier note for Finn Harps uh, a great win at Longford great to see Sean Boyd back amongst the goals after the injury problems he's been having Ryan Rainey with a beautiful volley as well Um, so that's a great win for, for Harps and it just puts serious daylight between everybody really in Longford now Longford I think is it safe to say Longford are doomed God, yeah they're dead and buried gone like they yeah I think they've been dead and buried a long time ago see they're not just they're not creating chances and yeah. um like I think they were everyone's pick to go down and Dara Doyle has done really he's done really really well with them because I thought they were going to get a couple of pastings thumpings yeah, yeah. absolutely um, and they haven't you know they haven't at all. They've they've been really really competitive, um, but it's just at the at the at the top end of the pitch where you need where you need those players to create chances for your strikers, um, and they haven't come. And it's um, it's been very very disappointing for them. And um, yeah, they're 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 gone. Con. They're, they're, I can't see any way back. From them. We're in agreement on <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But, but look, Harps superb. And look, I'm absolutely delighted for Sean Boyd because he, he, he did his ACL over in, in, in England when he was on a PFAI training camp at the tail end of 2019, I think start of 2020. Yeah. Um, when he was only coming back into a bit of form himself after injury ravaged at, at Shamrock Rovers too. So I'm absolutely delighted for him. He's, he scored in a cup there a couple of weeks ago, but this is his first league goal. Um, and hopefully it's the, the first of many for him because um, he's a wonderful professional. Um, a, a wonderful human being as well so I, uh, I wish him well on obviously with uh, over the next couple of weeks and getting back into the Finn Harps team but um, you mentioned Ryan Rainey and the technique that uh, he possessed for the goal was wonderful absolutely Brilliant. quality um, and a word for Mark McGinley as well that's only a second clean sheet since 2019 so um, he's had his most appearances in, in the League of Ireland season as well and he's been like every single time Finn Harps play a game there's a tweet that says Unbelievable save from McGinley. He's, he's, been, uh, he's been really, really good and um, just a, a really, really good good goalkeeper. So, yeah, Finn Harps, they were struggling for a while. Con. They started off the season really, really well and um, capitulated. But look, when they need to get to, to get to grind out results, there's no better team to, to do that. Um, the one game we haven't spoken about at any length anyway is Friday night's match. St. Pat's uh, temporarily joined uh, Rovers at the top of the table with a 2-1 win against Waterford, which is a great win when you consider Waterford have been in such good form. Matty Smith and uh, Melvin Lambert, the scorers for Pat's junior, pulling a penalty back for Waterford. Great bit of skill from him, by the way, before he got the penalty. Um, but I think, in a way, the big talking point from this game was the injury to Lee Desmond just before the end. And I think a lot of people were very, very concerned for, for Lee. Yeah, and I was watching the game on uh, LOI TV, Con, um, and I was delighted. Do you know, there was a they, they, obviously the incident happened. I'm saying I'm delighted. The incident happened, and you knew straight away from the pictures that it wasn't good, like straight away. 
And what I liked the most is that the camera pulled away. So mm. I didn't get to see any more of it, the incident, which I was happy with. But in, like, so that was the good thing about El, the, but the cameramen at the, at the game. They realized the situation was really bad and they pulled it away, unlike Christian Eriksen as, as um, during the Euros. Mm. Um, and obviously because he was a former teammate, um, he, it was a big concern to me. Um, and obviously I was frantically trying to find out how he, how he was and how he was getting on. Um, so look, I was talking to him on Saturday morning and um, was delighted to, to, to hear that he was, he was home, that he, um, his scan was all clear and he was just had a bad case of concussion and a really nasty gash down on his face. Um, he'll be out for a while, um, obviously with the concussion. Um, but it, I thought it was, I think everybody, much worse, everybody yeah. in the yeah. ground was going to be a lot worse. Kenny Brown, actually former Waterford and Cork and St. Pat's player, his brother was at the game and Kenny texted me, asking me and, uh, for information on, on, on Lee because his brother said it was the most horrifying thing that he has ever seen at a football match. Um, so yeah, it, a great end to the story and the fact that he's well, because at the time it didn't look good at all. Um, yeah, that's it's great, and and if, if he does miss a a couple of weeks or whatever, you know that's that's nothing compared to what what could have been there. It was a it was an awful looking thing. Um, do you know what? But, do, uh, do you know what really annoyed me, Con? And I'm not, uh, and it's not just at um, Inchicor. I've noticed this throughout my whole career. Is that how slow the medical personnel are on? Now the physios are brilliant and the doctors are brilliant, but how slow the medical personnel go onto that pitch. That I, I, I do you know what I, I thought it was really interesting because um, it sounded to me and I don't know exactly the, the circumstances, but it sounded to me as if the crowd behind the goal who were St. Pat's fans were shouting at the the guys in the orange coats. I don't, I don't want to say, yeah, the, I don't say uh, the, uh, who they were because I don't know exactly yeah. who they were, but, the you know, the stretcher bearers or whatever kind of encouraging them to get you know come on and get down here help help you know but it was so obvious con it was like yeah. all the players are screaming for somebody to come on all the fans are screaming for them to come to come on yeah yeah and they're just but when they do come on they're just walking they, yeah. like i'm obviously when i was looking at it on tv they brought it back to the halfway line and for anybody that is probably listening to this podcast that watched it you'll probably understand they just brought it back to the halfway line and you could see them just walking like as if it was they were going for a sunday stroll yeah. Uh, like and th- that's not just an inch of court. It happens everywhere. Like there's been broken legs where people are screaming out in agony, and it's just so slow. Is that a, a, is that something that maybe the referees and the um, see again? I don't want to say St John's ambulance because it, they mightn't have been St John's at all. They could have been the order you know, of Malta, order of Malta, or whoever. And yeah. um, does there have to be some? discussion here to say look if there's a bad injury come on don't wait for the referee to call you on if you feel if you as a medical person are looking at an incident that looks really serious you know at least run down the touchline so yeah. that you're parallel and and you're ready to come on like as quickly as possible it's it's, it's interesting you should say that because something i've noticed in the past and as a player obviously it's something that you've been aware of so it's something there's been times con where i'm like are you I've, yeah i've nearly been being rude with, with, yeah. with them trying to get it, get them onto the pitch. And you're never rude. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, but it does, it, it, 
when I was watching yeah, it, it was yeah. just no, that, I was it's, really, it's a, really you, you raise a really interesting point there and, and, and an important one as well. Mm. Um, listen, we're we're um, we're yeah, we've charging on, on time wise. <laughs> yeah. um, let's uh, talk about the first division and, and a few other bits and pieces afterwards as well. But I think um, we should chat now with um, Chris Harrington because. Well, we spoke with him earlier on. He's the brother of Kelly, obviously, who's won a gold medal for Ireland uh, in such spectacular fashion in Tokyo. He's currently coaching in Iceland. But anyway, myself and Conan caught up with him earlier on this morning. Well, Chris, um, thanks a million for joining us on LOI Arena. Um, Obviously, we have a lot of football to talk about, but we can't talk about anything else but um, the achievements of your sister, Kelly. You must be the proudest brother in the world. Yeah, yeah, it's um, definitely been uh, it's been a crazy week to be honest. It's just something that you, you don't ever think is possible, you know. Um, but yeah, very, very proud and just just delighted for her and just uh, the people, of, the people, of the the local community and the wider Dublin area and all the whole nation. To be honest, it was um, just fantastic to see so many people coming together and just just having a great time, you know. Yeah, I saw that um, when the opening ceremony was on and, and Kelly was carrying the flag in, um, you tweeted beyond proud. So even to get to the Olympic Games uh, and be representing Ireland is a very special thing. But to go on and do what she did, like it's just, it's almost like a fairy story. Yeah, I mean, like you say, I think, you know, for any any Irish sports person or I mean, any Irish person to, to be able to represent their nation on any international stage, let alone the Olympic Games, is... Um, it's amazing, you know. So yeah, like you said, just to see my sister carrying the Irish flag, uh, you know, any any sport, major sporting event is is a feeling that you can't really explain. Um, but to see her do it in the Olympics in the opening ceremony and to see how gracious she led the team was just uh, I was beautiful, you know. And um, so yeah, just I, I can't tell you how proud I am of her and and all the the team, all the Irish team, they were they were accredited in action. You were obviously out in in Iceland at the start of the Olympic journey. Was it a difficult decision for you to, to then leave? I know you had a big game that you missed to come home to, to see Kelly in the final. Um, yeah, in terms of uh, logistics, it was quite difficult, but the actual decision, not a chance, you know. Um, there was never, never any doubt I was going to stay here, Colin, to be honest with you, to, to miss that. Like, it's something... It's once in a lifetime opportunity. You don't you don't miss things like that. Um, logistically, it was a bit of a nightmare, but in terms of making the actual decisions, um, no way. It was very straightforward, you know. Portland Row has uh, is starting to get a few superstars. <laughs> I mean, you know yourself, Conan. There's there's a the, the, the place is full of them. You know, you start at the top of the row, and the likes of Troy Parra, um, you know, based of flood and all the floods yourself. Um, Wezo, Wezo Hill, Hannes Rambeer. Then you've across the street, Arkins, uh, the, the famous rapper. Um, the likes of Barry Calvin, who's who's big in Hollywood. Um, and now, obviously, you've Kelly. So, I mean, it's I don't think there's a place like that anywhere else in the world that, you know, is, has that many people on, a, on a, a global and national stage. It's fairly unique, to be honest with you. And the people of that area, um, just saying, saying, seeing the celebrations it was just a great thing you know when you said Arkins there I thought you were referring to Vinnie Arkins who played for Shells and Rovers in the past but uh, there's obviously a rapper called Arkins as well <laughs> <laughs> I'm showing my age here <laughs> yeah yeah 
<laughs> in terms of the atmosphere though in the area like i mean when you came back um i just saw the pictures on the box and it just looked it do you know what it reminded me of italian 90 yeah yeah um i mean i had the jersey from it, obviously uh i was probably too young enough to remember it but a lot of people have said that um i i I can't compare it because I wasn't there, but my God, it was, I've never seen anything like that in my life, you know, um, ever. Uh, and I mean, when, when we went to Korea um, with the Irish team, the USA 94, Euros and that, and now I, I even remember like the Kane, the Kane, um, the Kane McCarthy uh, episode marching over in uh, Marion Square. I mean, I, I just had never, ever seen anything like that in my life. And to know that my sister basically was the reason for it was just uh, st- still hard to, I was just looking at videos this morning still hard to take in to be honest because I'm not sure if we'll ever see anything like that again you know and obviously you're the there's you've you've two other brothers and then obviously Kelly as well there's a lot of fighting going on in the house that house she became so good um I, I don't know like if we were uh, the strongest um competition for her like so I can't say that word of reason but um <laughs> no it's just 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 normal normal brother and sister things you know she's um she's definitely worked so hard over the course of like I said 12 to 15 years to arrive at the stage where she was um and it's it, it didn't just happen in, in the last uh, 18 months or whatever 24 months it's you know yourself sport to, to arrive in that level it's a it's a massive build-up over the course of over a decade um so yeah it's been it's been quite a journey for our league but um in terms of what she's put into it you know we've seen us as a family we've seen that she never she never once wavered in our consistency in terms of you know want what she wanted so um yeah, it's just more definitely not the reason she's Olympic champion. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> you've uh, look, you've obviously had your own journey yourself, Christopher, um, and now you're you're over in Iceland, um, working with is it Fram? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, yeah, Fram. Yes, yeah, yeah. And uh, you're working with the with the women's team. How how did that happen? Um, yeah, a bit of a crazy one. It was um. I've been over in Iceland coaching a bit. Uh, before Fram, I was in uh, in in Akureyri in the north of Iceland with uh, Thor Kawa, which is um, which is another uh, women's club in, in the Premier League. And um, I ended up there because the coach there was a, a lad that I played for over here actually, um, and we went on to be fairly successful in um, in Thor Kawa. So from there, I actually uh, my contract was finishing. Um, in Thorkawa and I, uh, I got offered a job actually in the Faroe Islands um, on the men's side at B71 and um, they were looking for a coach and basically had six games left in the season um, had to win four of them to, to stay in the league you know and I was I was coming to the end of my contract in Thorkawa and the chairman was a little bit iffy in terms of letting me go, but it was a chance that I wanted to I wanted to take in the Faroe Islands because just an exciting thing, you know. You have six games, can you can you keep them up, like? Um, so, long story short, the the chairman agreed to let me just get out of the contract that I was there a month early to to take to take that job in the Faroe Islands. Um, so, took it like, and we managed to stay up in the league, which was just a miracle, basically. Um, 
And from there, I was offered a, I was offered a job with with Hobby HB, um, the biggest club in the Faroe Islands, probably. Um, at, at the moment, they just beat um, Maccabee from from Israel one 0 in the in the Conference League. So, I was offered a job there. I accepted it. Um, so I had uh, a couple of months like to till the job till my contract started. So when I arrived in the Faroe Islands, there's problem with problems with the with the paperwork and stuff because it's it's the Danish um, the rule by Denmark and stuff. So I needed a work visa to be there. Um, so there was just problems when I arrived, and it was going to take a couple of months to push everything through. And to be honest with you, Colin, I hadn't got a couple of months. We had uh, I needed to be I needed to be working, like you know. Um, so Fram, uh, Fram obviously heard about that, and they were starting a project with the women's on the women's side. Um, so we got in contact and, and just offered me the job. Like, so that's how we've ended up at Fram. Yeah, you've posted a couple of pictures um, on Twitter recently. The facilities look unbelievable. Yeah, that's um, one of the things here in Iceland that just every club is blessed with is uh, is great facilities. We have. I mean, the thing is, where we are now in Fram is, would be considered old. We're now, well, next season, we'll be moving to a new facility just on the outskirts of Reykjavik. Um, built a brand new stadium. Uh, just just phenomenal, like, the facilities. But where we are now is, is top class. You know, everyone that comes comes to visit, like, we had a lad that came, I think, just before I left, actually, to go to Ireland. We had a lad that came to visit from um, Espanol. And uh, we just couldn't believe how how advanced things were in terms of the facilities over here, you know? So it's, it's, it's great on that aspect. Like the facilities are top drawer and the players over here have everything they need to, to be the best they want, to be honest with you. I'm presuming, uh, Chris, that the, um, the Icelandic government or something must be putting a, a fair bit of money into football. We see the results with the men's senior team and the, the results they had in the European Championships and knocking England out and all that kind of stuff. Is it um, governmental money that's been put into facilities and promotion of the game for men and women? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's, um, so how it works over here, like in terms of the government, they assist... Every parent in Iceland gets assistance from the government to put their kids in sport. So every uh, every um, half a season, because it's broke up into winter and into summer, you as a parent will get um, 50,000 Icelandic crowns to put your kid into any sport you want. Um, so obviously football and handball would be the two biggest. Um, so the government helps in, in that sense. In terms of the how clubs, much is that like fifty thousand in in say in euros roughly? How would that be? It's 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 between five hundred and six hundred quid probably. So, um, you you get that to put your kid in any sport you want, you know. Um, so that obviously helps encourage the parents to get the kids into sport. Um, and then in terms of the money that goes into the club, I mean, Kawasaki, the, the the federation, the football association. They, they have a budget which they designate the clubs every year. You know, like we have a travel budget, for example, in Fram. Um, like we, we've, we've flown to a couple of games because the budget from the Federation allows us to do that. You know, so there's money getting ploughed back into all of the clubs from the association. So I think together it's a, it's a lovely blend that they have like in, in, in allowing the, the environment to be the way it is, you know, obviously that's a lot different from Ireland, but, but ultimately like when you, when you weigh it up, the, the, at the end, it's down to money. That's it. It's, it's, it's money, which, whichever way you look at it, like, and it's, it's at home, obviously it's the lack of money here. The money is put in the right places 
and, and it's, it's a mentality thing because it is a sporting nation. You know, everybody is is doing some sort of sport here, whether it's football, handball, athletics, CrossFit. It's just it's a sporting nation. So, what would you think are the main differences then between Icelandic football and, and let's say the League of Ireland or the Women's National League? Um, well, in terms of the Women's National League, it's um, I'd say it's day and night, Colin, to be honest with you. Um, it really is like the the equality is is it's not level over here. Don't get me wrong, by any means, I don't think it is anywhere in the world. But it's as close to um, equal as you can get, definitely over here. I mean, you have the likes of um, Valor, and even when I was at Forkawa, we got to the we got to the knockout. I mean, we got to the last thirty-two of the Champions League, played Wolfsburg. So the the men's team, I mean, were struggling in the league, you know. So um, the difference is in in women's football is vast. Like, it's vast in terms of how the players are treated. Um, Obviously, the training, the full time. Most most of them are full time here, and the coaching is uh, probably more advanced in terms of the license sort of coaches over here. And the men's again, like it's a money thing. You know, all the clubs, like you know yourself, you've probably played against a few of the clubs, and they're looked after very well. Like Stjarnan, who played balls there, most of them, most of them players are are full time. You know, and in terms of football, but they. They'll obviously have extra incomes coming in as well, like um, part-time jobs, because they can, because it allows them to. The culture and the environment allows them to. And um, the football, in terms of the, the actual football, it's hard to it's hard to compare it, like you know, because you you've seen the balls staring again when they came over here, um, 50-50 probably the game. Um, but then when Bowers uh, got them at home, they they took them apart, you know. So I I personally think the level at home. Um, of football on the men's is better than here. Um, the top teams, the likes of Vala, Vala played Bodo Glimt in the from Norway, who, who obviously won the Norwegian Premier League last year. Um, and I went to watch it, and I mean they lost the game, but it wasn't it wasn't there wasn't a massive difference in terms of quality or or setup and stuff, you know. Um, so it's it's tough to say like the main differences. The style of football is definitely different, and I think the mentality of um, how the game is played is, is definitely different. You know, you have your typical strong, direct, powerful um, mindset that exists over here. Um, but in that, you have you have now, it's starting to shift the mentality because Iceland has a lot of very good technical players that are that are coming through. And you've seen that with the 21s when they played our 21s over here. I mean, I felt that was a... At the time, we had a—I mean, we still do. We had a, a brilliant twenty-one team, um, and it wasn't. Um, Iceland, Iceland made them made them look like a, a low-level opponent, to be honest. Um, so yeah, it's it's difficult to compare it in, in the football and aspects because you know yourself. There's so many things to consider, you know. Um, so yeah, definitely on the women's side, it's it's so far advanced than it is at home. Much more on the men's side, I think. I mean, our league is so strong at home and you know yourself I don't think it gets anywhere near the recognition that I should get you know I was looking at the goals this morning from Lovers over in Albania and I mean them, them two goals they're scored by any other team in the world and people are retweeting the post and the Gaffney still finish it it's top class you know you um, 
did commentary for Bose on that Star Nine game. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, difficult one because I was on my own, you know. <laughs> so having got <laughs> someone to bounce off, you've no one to bounce off. So um, yeah, but I enjoyed it. Like it was, uh, it was great just to see Irish people in Iceland. To be honest, it was, um, it was just great. Even after the game, the ball was, uh, the ball was bored. Or who are fans, obviously as well, because it's fun. I'm just seeing them after the game and having a pizza with them. That was great. Like enjoyed the whole thing. It was uh, it was brilliant. Yeah. And yeah. um, just in terms of the whole COVID thing, how has that affected the game over there? Um, presumably similar enough to here, is it? Yeah, obviously at the start of it, it was it was difficult. Um, we were shut down for four months, three to four months at the very start. And you had a similar to probably, I, I'm not sure how it was at home. We, we then reintroduced the small group sessions and your distancing and stuff. Then it got bad again. So we had the lockdown again. Now it's, um, and then we opened fully with no fans. Um, so it's been, it's been, everything has been normal now, but actually now since this Delta, Delta variant has come across, there's been, it's been a lot of games in the last three weeks that have been canceled. Um, because the Delta variant has, has got here um, and it hasn't stopped anything so far, but I'm not too optimistic that that's, that's the way it's going to go because the cases now for the last two weeks have been over a hundred uh, per day, which for Iceland is, is insane, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, uh, Conan as well, looking at the um, pictures from the premier league yesterday and full stadiums all over the place. And yet yeah. like in Ireland, the fan numbers are being very restricted. Everybody still has to wear a mask in the stadium. It just seems to be open season over in England. I, it's it's for fans who are in, we'll say Iceland or Ireland, looking at those pictures, it must be a bit frustrating. Yeah, be, of course it'd be frustrating. Especially if you're, if you're looking at, Irish people going over to those stadiums and being engrossing them and possibly bringing that variant back home with them. Um, and then that might affect the crowds and the, the stadiums uh, numbers going forward then, if that's the case. So, but look, and the other side of it is it's great to hear that noise of a stadium again, but you just like to hear it in your own, in your own country. Um, and obviously yesterday, obviously with the, with the all Ireland semi-final it was 24,000 people there. And my, I suppose my knee-jerk reaction will be why, why was there only 8,000 then at the Aviva the previous week um, for bowls when the stadiums are very, very alike. Um, so that was just my my take on it. But um, I don't know how Christopher feels. Yeah, I was, to be honest with you, as soon as I, um, because I was at home and came back obviously on the Friday and there was there was uh, I, I actually um, Michael Dara former Dubs player that uh, he's won eight all the world and so I was chatting to him he's a good friend of Kelly and he was telling me that you know Croker is going to have um, a quarter capacity or whatever it was like you know the first thing that came to my head was was well why were balls restricted to, to 8,000 um, the week before or whatever that may be so yeah it was strange to see it yesterday Um you know, seeing Old Trafford full and all the, the stadiums in the in the Premier League full, very strange to see. Um, and like you say, I think people, well, we we know for sure that there was was thousands of Irish people that are travelling across to them games without doubt. They they travel in the in the boatloads. So you just hope that it doesn't affect um, football at home because clubs need fans in the in the stadiums. League of Ireland clubs need fans in the stadium and. Um, 
there can't be a discrepancy between um, going over to watch uh, English football and then coming home and not being allowed into stadiums. It's uh, personally, I think it's just it's ridiculous that 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 stuff can can go on. To be honest, you know. And, and presumably in Iceland, the, they're restricting numbers at grounds and stuff. Are they still at this stage? Yeah, yeah, we're still at two hundred. Yeah. Um, we 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 were back up to. Um, 50% capacity, wherever that was, whatever stadium it was. But now, because the, the verdant has grown here, we're back to 200, yeah. So we're yeah. we're locked to that. I'd love to know what it's like to live in Iceland. I mean, it looks like I've seen a few TV shows set in Iceland and, and it looks magnificent. Like, it's a really beautiful place. But I, I wonder what it's like to live there. Um, expensive. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Uh, <laughs> It's it's expensively definitely expensive, but no, it's um, I think it's a great place to live. Like you know, it's so different from Dublin, like and especially Dublin one. You know, it's um, the stuff people do here that I grew up that they still do it, and even though I've been over here for a few years, I just can't believe that they do it. You know, driving to the shop and leaving your car running while you run inside, or um, that type of thing. You know, still you still don't get used to it. But in terms of living, it's a it's a great place to live. Um, the culture is very laid back. There's very low crime rate. Um, summer is the weather is not terrible in the summer, uh, and the winter in Reykjavik is is okay. Like it's not not, not horrible uh, in the north of Iceland for two seasons. That was just snow every day, and it's past your head, you know. Yeah. Um, but the people are the people are lovely and very laid back, and the work culture is is good. Like whatever. You know, it's there for you to to do whatever you want, and you have your own platform to build from. And yeah, I I enjoy living here, and um, yeah, it's 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 a nice place to live. You were obviously over in in America, and a lot of Irish players and a lot of League of Ireland players have made the journey over there. Looks at James Chambers and Eamon Zoid now has been has been has become a manager over over in uh, over in America, and obviously a good pal of yours, Dave Rogers, was. Uh, was over there too and I was talking to Dave on Friday and yeah. he told me to tell you that uh, he, he said that you have a lot of love for, for soccer in the USA. <laughs> He's so man. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, Dave, uh, Dave's, Dave's got some job there by the way at Forest so for reply to him, he's um, yeah, a massive, unbelievable, so congrats to him. I, I said it on Twitter this morning, just, just delighted for him but yeah, um, I think a lot of Irish have done very well over in the States. I was over there and uh, I loved it. Like, my wife is American, so um, maybe I'll end up there one day again. But um, yeah, for now, like, it, it was, I found like where I was in the States, I was at a point where I had to get back home. Otherwise, I was just going to be stagnant as a coach. Um, I, I felt I'd kind of hit where. I could have at that edge, um, and I needed to get to Europe to to continue to grow as a coach. You know, in terms of the lifestyle and stuff, it was, I mean, phenomenal. Just, just you can't get better. You know, you're talking, you're living the dream. Like it's just, there's nothing better than that. But when I looked at it from a coaching perspective and what I wanted to do, the ultimate goal staying there wasn't going to allow me to do that. You know, um, so I had to make a decision. Um, to, to get out of there like, and to come back home to, or to be in Europe somewhere in Europe you know um, but yeah now a lot of Irish have done there like Stephen Beats Beats did well at Chattanooga and 
uh, they've they've all done great. Like Chambers is flying now and up in uh, Philadelphia Union. Um, like you said, Eamon's like, yeah, it's just, just the first ever coach at that franchise. So there's, there's loads, Alan McCann as well, who's flying down in, um, I think he's down in Florida now. So there's a lot, a lot of good Irish people doing great things over there um, in the States. And it's a great platform. Um, Dave McKay as well, uh, who's the strength and conditioning coach at Philadelphia Union. We went we went to Colossus to eat it um, together. So there's, there's so many good, great Irish coaches over in the States. Um, and just just doing very good things for football in general over there. Um, but yeah, that's a great shout by Roger. That like he's a he's had some crackers over the past two years since he's been there. And um, yeah, we always have the banter flying. Like I'm, I'm sure he's going to see this and laugh his head off. Like. Yeah, well, well he's probably going to laugh. Sorry, Con. He's probably going to laugh laugh at the next bit where he's told me to ask you about your thoughts on the sideline of coaches holding a coffee while coaching. <laughs> It's another cracker, like, um, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I don't even know what to say to that. It's, uh, <laughs> I know where that one's coming from, and I just, uh, yeah, I think we'll skip on with that one. Like, that's, uh, that's a beauty. <laughs> when he's on the sideline at uh, Nottingham Forest under twenty three matches now, I'll be keeping an eye out to see if he emulates that the the old coffee cup in the hand. Job. Um, He'll be trolling at us. Actually, I'm delighted for him, though, because we had him on as a guest a few weeks ago. And I mean, he's such a great guy and, and you know, he's got a he's really brilliant. good job. He's there just, now, so. Yeah. And it's similar. Like he's just I mean, he's he's worked his arse off to get there. You know, hasn't just he's he's really, really worked to get there. You know, we've I mean, we've shared moments over the last two to four years that in terms of the coaching journey, sometimes you're at the bottom of it, like how dark it is, and it just doesn't seem like there's any there's any light, and you're always scratching the surface to see what comes up. And I mean, this is only the start for Roger. Like we all know the man that he is, and everybody ever speak to never says a bad word about him. No great character. I mean, on the on the pro license that he just completed with the FAI. Just look at the the glowing references you have from some of them people. I mean, Robbie Kane speaks highly of Dave and. Uh, he's a top bloke and he'll, he'll do very well. And it's only the start for him, to be honest. Do you know, when I look at your um, CV and you've got the A license, which you did through the IFA in, in the North, um, like it, it's, it seems to be going really well for you. And yet you, you talk there about dark moments. I mean, have you had moments where you've kind of questioned it and thought, Geez, am I doing, am I in the right gig here? Or, you know, how has it been? Yeah, I mean, it would be silly to sit here and say that I, I didn't kind of mean, and Conan will tell you the same thing in football. We're in what I consider one of the one of the dirtiest industries in in the world. There's there's never there's never a straightforwardness about anybody that you meet. To be honest, there's always there's always some sort of agenda that that is there. Like, um, and there's been many moments where you question: um, Are you in the right environment? Are you with? the right people um are you in the right job are you going to get the right job there's been so many of them um, but at, at the end of the day um i think you always have to relate back to this is what you love you know and you, you you're so privileged to be able to get paid to do what you love um on a daily basis um but absolutely there's and there's going to be many more dark moments ahead for me and it's just how you navigate your way through them you know and having good people around you Definitely help. Just before we let you go, Christopher, I know you're heading off training shortly. Do you, 
any plans for the future? Would you like to, to coach in Ireland at one stage? Yeah, I mean, that's that's obviously something that I'd love to do, you know, um, just just to be back home and to be to be with your family and um, doing what you love in, in a country and place that you love. That's 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 the dream. That's that's what you would love to do. Um, but as we know, in Ireland, the opportunity to work full time in football is is few and far between. Um, so, I mean, you know yourself in football, you can't make any plans because they'll, they'll get ripped up the next day. So, um, yeah, I'd love to walk at home, you know. Um, but, you know, we just see how things go and focus on what's ahead. And right now, we just have to. Today is, is, is crucial for me of the training session and that's the most important thing. Then tomorrow of the game, the next day after that is recovery. And I take it day by day. The most important thing is what's ahead of me and what, what's ahead of me today is preparing for a game tomorrow. So that's that's how I try to take it, you know. I'm just thinking if you do go back to you know, coaching in America at some point, it would be handy if you were in the sort of Nevada area or whatever because if uh, Kelly is fighting for a, a world title in Las Vegas, it would be nice to be just around the corner from her. Uh, I don't. I mean, regardless of where I am in the world, if she's fighting for a world title, I, I manage to get me way there. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. I don't think it really matters where I'll be. And and just actually one last thing before we let you go is have you had a discussion with her about what's going to happen? I know it's been a whirlwind over the last week, but like, do you think she might stay on for Paris in three years, or is the pro thing going to be uh, attractive? To be honest with you, Con, I think um, at the moment there's so many people coming at her you know from from so many different angles um and i was out with her on uh, where are we now sunday i was out with her on uh, i think it was wednesday um just before i came back and uh didn't mention i did not the, the last thing i want to talk to her is about her future because there's, there's i mean as you can imagine there's so many people coming at her so, you know, she's she's big and ugly enough to make the right decision she wants. Um, that's right for her. So, yeah, I, we haven't spoken about it because um, ultimately it's up to her to make the decision that she wants to, but um, she's, uh, she's very smart and she'll make the right decision. Um, and she'll make a decision that, that is right for her and um, that'll, be, that'll be the main thing, you know. And uh, yeah, so in terms of me speaking to her about a future, absolutely not. It's not my place. Um, she needs advice and stuff on her for her as a brother. But um, I just think that she's had too many people coming at her from every angle you can imagine. Um, so the last thing I wanted to do was, was to speak to her about that, you know. Yeah, which is plenty of time to make up her mind. Anyway, there's no mad panic on that at all yeah. she, at the moment. I think she just needs to celebrate what she's achieved. And, um, you know, that's that's the main thing. Uh, listen, yeah, uh, yeah. thanks a million for, as Conan was saying, we know you have a training session and, and you've, you've given us uh, your time and we really appreciate that, Christopher. Thanks very much indeed. And and the very best of luck um, with, with everything with Fram there and, and into the future as well. And, and we really appreciate you talking to us this morning. Thanks a million. No, thanks a million. It was um, it was a pleasure, and uh, just the the work that you lads are doing um, to promote the league of Ireland and and people were in it is fantastic. So uh, just uh, well done to you lads, and uh, it was a pleasure to speak this morning. Thanks a million, lads. Thanks, Chris. Thanks very much indeed, and listen, the very best. We'll talk again soon, please God. I was great talking to uh, Chris earlier on. Did you know, Conan? The one thing that strikes me when he talks about um, having, you know, played and coached in America and played and coached in Iceland and coached in Faroe Islands and stuff, that 
you know, for people who do have the, whether it's the A license or the pro license, the opportunity to travel, you know, manage in places like we, we were ta- talking to um, Dave Rogers a few weeks ago, who, you know, coached out in India and places like that. It's a, it's a great passport to maybe working in places in the world that you wouldn't be going to otherwise. Oh, absolutely. And um, he spoke really, really well about it. And you can hear the passion in his voice as well for yeah. for coaching. Um, and yeah, it's it's. I never knew the story about about the uh, the Pharaohs link with HB. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it would have been very very interesting if he had been involved there, considering how well they're doing. They beat Maccabi, yeah. as he said, beat Maccabi Haifa. Yeah. Um, obviously, they went out ultimately in the in the over the two legs, but still a very very big result for them. Yeah. So um, unfortunate that he didn't get the chance to work there, but obviously he's doing really, really, really well at Fram. Yeah. And, yeah, and uh, he might again in the future, you never know. Oh, no Continue doubt. the link of uh, Irish yeah. coaches in the Faroe Islands yeah, after exactly, Brian yeah. Kerr and, yeah. and uh, Johnny Mack. Um, listen, the uh, first division this weekend, I, it's amazing. Uh, Shells have eventually lost a match uh, and Galway have shown that they're on the up and up and up. Uh, 3-1 win for um, Galway at Eamon DC Park. Cork, six unbeaten now, 4-0 against Cove. Bray beating Treaty with a last gas penalty from Conor Clifford. Another hat-trick for Colin Whelan as UCD beat Athlone, 6-0. And a win, a second win of the campaign for Wexford as they beat Cabo by two goals to one. And another goal for Euro favourite Jack Moylan <laughs> in that game. So... Like a really interesting weekend in the first division when you take all of those. Each game has its own kind of story in a way. They do. They It opens it up completely. Um, like I was only just thinking there when you were talking about Cork winning six in a row or undefeated in six, yeah. that if Galway had won their game against them last week, they'd only be four points off, off them at the moment, which, look, that would have been immense. Now, obviously, they're seven at the moment, but it was a huge victory for them. Um, they needed yeah. to win. They needed to win to have any chance of catching them. Um, I still think it's well. It's be be I don't big know, big yeah, shock, big shock, absolutely. Yeah. But um, yeah, great win for them. Killian Browder, three and three now for him as a centre half. He's doing really really well. Um, he scored against Wexford. He scored against Shelburne, and he scored against Cork. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's the, the um, so he's doing really really well. And um, Rory Keating is eight now. Rory well, Keating so is an eight. Yeah, and they, look, they were yeah. training up. Obviously, Brian McManus scored in the last, in the very very last minute. Yeah. Um, so to to defeat Shells for the first time and and to do it so convincingly as well was would be very very pleasing to Joan Caulfield and Lisa Fallon. But um, they'll need to 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 push on from here because um, they need to win. I, I think if they have any chance, they need to win every game between now and the end of the season. Um, Bray obviously are, are, are absolutely flying. They're undefeated in the league since the 11th of June. Um, Connor Clifford, um, 93rd minute penalty, putting the keeper the wrong way. Um, Bray actually put up a great uh, clip on their social media actually of the of the penalty and, and the app and the, the how much it meant to all the players and with the fans back as well. I know it's not Premier League style, but it's uh, mm. it's, it's something. Um, but Treaty two defeats in a row. Yeah. And, he, he, they just need to kind of again like Sligo reset the button and, and, and start again mm. that's a bit of a stumble like when you consider the other defeat apart from the Bray one was to Cabin Teeley, who they would expect to yeah a heavy defeat that was yeah, yeah very disappointing for them um, but Cork kind of, like I don't know if you read on, on Saturday um, Extra Time.ie's Tom O'Connor put out a, a, a long read piece um, mm. on Cork City and their kind of form at the moment and um, 
and I was very interested. One thing that I took, it's a brilliant piece for anybody wanting to, to have a read of it. I didn't see it. I must have a look. Yeah, it's yeah. really, really good. But 10 Munster players started that game. And that's something that Cork haven't had for a very, very long time. And we've got to remember that these are a young team. Now, I am I was very, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't be critical of Cork because I knew they're they on a rebuild anyway. But their form hasn't, they should be higher up the table. Um, but so I'd like to see how they got on next year before I, comment on, on like the mm. on the, their recent form i think they need to put a run together towards the end of the season and then push on next season but yeah. having said that the likes of keen murphy that is start that is scoring scoring goals whitmarsh is scoring goals barry coffee scored a brace the other night as well he's doing really really well since he's come in um and the only player the non monster player can you name him actually i, I think you might get him. okay let me uh, uh aaron bulger no he didn't start the other night um, no, go on, tell me. Dylan McGlade. Oh, of course, yeah, 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 Dylan. Yeah, but um, yeah, and he actually was in fact man of the match on, on on the on the night too. But yeah, it's just um, it's nice to see Cork doing like ah yeah yeah on the back yeah. of some good results because I think a lot of if you're a League of Ireland fan, you don't want to see Cork there unless you're maybe I don't know. Dundalk fan maybe or Cove, Cove. Fan, Cove <laughs> fan maybe yeah. Cove won't be too happy with this with this little segment yeah, um, yeah. but having said that look it's yeah, look I think it's good to see um, you mentioned Keane Murphy by the way that's eight for him now this season as well so he's ticking up the uh, goals and speaking of goals um, I mentioned Colin Whelan and his hat-trick against Athlone that's 15 goals in 18 appearances now for Colin Whelan yeah, and that's some goal. Yeah, and I think there's going to be a lot of people, a lot of clubs sniffing around for him because he has the finishing qualities um, that a lot of Premier Division teams need. Mm. Um, but at Lone, are free fall. One win since the 21st of May. Con, it's only their like they've only won two since the 23rd of April, and that's when they were top mm. of the league. That's so, a, it's a pity after a good start. Yeah, start, yeah. And I was like, as I said, I thought they would have hit the playoffs. Not a problem with the mm. with the squad. And I was bigging them up. And yeah, very disappointed fall. Um, like, yeah, I don't know where it came from because they 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 just did really well. And whether it was just the case that they just thought it would have been again thought mm. it would have been easy and um, but it wasn't. And they've they've really really struggled. But take nothing away from UCD. They needed that victory as well to stay in to stay in that fourth place and yeah. try and push on up the table. But um, and then obviously Wexford two one um, two great goals Kyle Robinson and, and Jack Moylan um, either side of a Kieran Marty Waters goal as well so uh, great win for them look they're never going to catch second last um, but it's all about a rebuild as well there for, for Ian Ryan and Wexford and as long as they keep getting those positive results they're, they're performing really really well in the games um, and add in a couple of wins and like the performances of some of those players have been really really good and yeah, they'll they'll uh, they'll attract new players next season. Yeah, I'd I'd love to go to. It's one of the few, if maybe the only ground. Uh, oh no! I, well, yeah, I've been to Treaties Ground because uh, when they were yeah. playing his limit. So Wexford actually is the only ground I haven't been to. Have you never been to Freddie Creek? No, never been there. So well, I have to try and get down there for a game. We, me and you should go down, Con. I hope that we should. Yeah, live broadcast from there. Mick Wallace, get Mick Wallace in. Yeah, exactly. He can. He can. He's as long as he provides a nice little Rioja or something afterwards. Oh, he does. They look after you down there with food after the game. They're really. You're driving, not me. But listen, it's great to see them back on on the winning track, and and you know. 
really competitive again, which is uh, yeah. what it's all about. Um, so that's I think the the coming weeks in the first division are going to be interesting. The women's league, uh, there was no league matches this weekend. Um, DLR Waves, I know, uh, had a win in the cup. Yeah, they won three uh, nil. Yeah, they won three nil at balls um, at their Mount Park on yeah. Friday. Yeah, so um, great victory for them, puts them into the next round. And um, yeah, uh, there was obviously no other games. Um, mm. To, uh, this weekend because of the cup yeah. um, like I know Carla McManus has been doing has been in flying form recently um, and she's been mm. instrumental for Graham Kelly's side so yeah it was a, a comfortable victory for them in the end um, I'm about to start doing oh, in the next few weeks some uh, commentaries on uh, women's matches actually around Europe in the Bundesliga and in, in Holland and uh, Sweden and it's going to be very interesting I think for me to see those games and compare them to the quality of the Shelburne's and the P-Mounts here and so on and um, so I'll report back on that in the in the coming weeks but uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to them um, and and the the one game then midweek is the Flora Talon at home to Shamrock Rovers in the first leg so what's a good result for Rovers out of that Conan? A win. <laughs> 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 Look, you're you're being all reserved. No, you have to go out there and win the game. There's no way goals anymore, Con. You know what I mean? And yeah, I'd I'd expect nothing more than a than a victory. Look, if you're going to take it, would Stephen Bradley take a draw now? I actually don't think he would. Yeah. I really don't think he would. I think he wants to go out there and win the game, um, and I think they should. They should actually, be going out every, every win helps in terms of um, yeah. building up the the, the national coefficient and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he's not going to be thinking about that at this moment in time, yeah. but at the same time, I think he's going to, like, the whole of Shamrock Rovers will, will be going out there ex- hoping to win the game. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. I've no well, doubt I'm about sh- that. I'm sure every single listener to this podcast will be wishing Shamrock Rovers all the best <laughs> during the week. Of course uh, they will. <laughs> uh, it's, it's good for the league. It's good yeah. for the league. Are you you uh, your Pinocchio nose on there. And now, do you, do you know what? I, I, I'm just, I, I hate to be, I, 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 I don't know. I just I hate to be overly confident about anything because I'm always worried that you end up with uh, egg on your face. But uh, the way they're playing at the moment, you know, it's great to see. And yeah. uh, you know, let's 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 wish them all the best um, yeah. on Thursday. Um, well, look, uh, thanks a million to Chris uh, Harrington, who was our guest earlier on today. Thanks for listening to the show again this week. If you want to get in touch with us again, uh, hashtag LOI Arena on Twitter. And Conan and myself will see all of them, um, and um, you know we'll we'll obviously respond, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. See take you, Conan. Care. See you, Conan. Take care. Thanks a million. Take care. Bye.